Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 267, Love is in the Air 2024. We do this pretty much every February where we look at some fun romances that we would like to recommend to you. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that we are still going on Patreon. We have a lot of great content there. If you would like to support us via Patreon, you get an extra episode every month and you get an extra text-based resource every month. So those might be recommendations on a theme or an update on our Sweet 16 picks, or yeah, there's just all kinds of stuff over there. It's a diff- little bit different every month. And if you support us, you can have access to all of that great material. So check us out at patreon.com slash unabridgedpod. To get started today, we're going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So one of the books I am reading is Frederick Bachman's Us Against You. This is the second book in the Beartown series. And I read Beartown, I mean, it's been a while, uh, maybe two or three years ago. And it was one of my favorite books of the year that year and has really stayed with me. And I meant to read this one immediately after that. But as we all know, with sequels, often the best of intentions do not result in you immediately reading the next one. So it's been a while since I circled around to this, but I'm, I'm really happy to get back to it. I don't want to say a lot about this one because I think it spoils things that happen in Beartown. You do want to read Beartown first. But basically, Beartown is about a very, very small town in rural Sweden. And in that town, hockey is the life of the town. And they it is like many towns that are rural. A lot of the industries are dying and things are kind of fading out. And so really the hockey team and the boys who play on the hockey team are the thing that keeps the town together. They also are, because of league standards and the way that things work within the hockey leagues, they're definitely the underdogs. And so, you know, there's other town like cities that have a lot more money and a lot more opportunity and that kind of thing. But despite all of that, they have had some great success and in in the book Beartown, a lot of it is about a winning season that they are going through, and then some stuff that goes down that raises moral questions about how far do we let bad things happen in order to keep something good going on, like the winning that the team is doing. And at what point do we say that what matters and protecting people and morality, like that those things have to rise above the desire to win, even when it's a situation like Bear Towns where winning is not just important because of, you know, the good feelings that it brings, but also because of all these other aspects that are, you know, practical and economic that do matter in the town. And so that's what's going on in the first one. And I just thought it was phenomenal. It's really layered and complex. And you really get to know these characters and things are not the way that they seem. And so I absolutely loved it. I always love Bachman's work. And when you get to Us Against You, which is the one I'm reading now, 
you really are looking at after everything that goes down happens and the dust settles, that's where the story picks up. So, you know, what happens after there's a major event that, again, I just don't want to spoil, but there's something big. It affects the whole town. After that happens, then what's next? And that, I think, has been a really interesting premise to this one. And so I'm glad to get back to these characters and... I already feel all the feels for them again because there's just a lot going on for each individual character, but also for the town as a whole. Again, that is Frederick Bachman's Us Against You, and it's the second in the Bear Town series. As soon as you mentioned that, I just like started thinking of all the characters in that series. Oh, yeah. It Bachman. is really vivid. I, mm-hmm. I was worried about having not read it for quite a while. I wasn't sure, but it is such a vivid you're you're really in it, you're really immersed in it. And so as soon as I started again, like I really remember all the characters and all the things that played out. And so, you know, I did feel like and this is true for listeners, if you've had a big gap, but you really wanted to get back to it, I did feel like I could dive right back in. And immediately I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, and really felt the connection to the characters again. And Marin Ireland, I, I am reading it, I'm reading the print, but I did find the audio also. And then I popped into that yesterday. And Marin Ireland is the narrator. And so I was like, Oh, yay. So I'll probably <laughs> go back and forth. But what about you, Jen? What are you reading? I am reading Nathan Hill's Wellness. And this is a book I got last year and kept meaning to get to but it's chunky. It's I think almost or just over 600 pages. And at the time just didn't feel right. But I'm glad I waited until I had a chance to read it all at once because I am not wanting to put it down. So Hill wrote The Knicks several years ago. I can't remember when that was published, maybe five years ago. And I love that one. He has a real sense for, again, vivid characters, and it just feels really true. There are parts of it that hit home in an uncomfortable way. So this one starts with Jack who is living in Chicago, and he is extremely lonely. And his one point of connection is the woman that he watches across the street in the neighboring apartment building, which I know sounds creepy. And he just (laughs) thinks she's he, he likes to look at the book she's reading. And he likes to look at the art that she picks out. And He figures out what music she's listening to. It takes place in the 90s, so there's still a lot of music, like CD cases and records that you can tell. It's not all on Spotify. And he's really interested. And, you know, I was a little uncomfortable with it. Well, then you find out that Elizabeth, who is the woman, is also watching Jack. And so there are times when Jack can't see Elizabeth, and it's because she is watching him. So you have this idea of these two very lonely people in the city. They're both coming from childhoods and from families where they sort of felt like outcasts for various reasons. And when they finally meet, they have this beautiful sort of love at first sight kind of um, relationship. And it seems all magical and all story tale or all fairy tale. And then it flashes forward very quickly to them 20 couple years later, they're married, they have a kid, and the fairy tale has not stayed a fairy tale. And you see the way that their marriage has maybe not lived up to that initial flash of love and of infatuation, you know, because it doesn't. And yeah, just some of the things. So their little boy, Toby is eight years old. He is a very picky eater. He 
It's not. He's very much introverted. And you see Elizabeth in particular and her desire to help him blend in more. And she has a really hard time with the fact that he can't just be extroverted, even though she is also an introvert. And all of this really resonated as an introverted mother of introverted (laughs) children who really wishes they could be more extroverted. And she also is a researcher. And so it's really funny. It'll have these paragraphs where it talks about her parenting decisions. And there are all these in-text citations of the research that she has read that have led her to decide to parent this way. And then it doesn't work because real kids don't always align with what the research says. So she is also dealing with some dissatisfaction in the marriage. And then Jack feels her sort of slipping away and is desperate to hold on to her. And so he starts, one thing he thinks he needs to work on is is his health. And so he's wearing this tracker that prompts him to do all these particular exercises and to eat in this particular way. And you wear it all the time and it gives you feedback about every part of your life. And so it's constantly telling him to sit up straighter and go take a walk right now. And I was like, well, this all sounds familiar too. (laughs) And yeah, so it's interesting just to see the ver- the way that each of them feels like there's something not quite right, but they are dealing with it in very different ways. That's about where I am right now. The writing is fantastic. I love the characters, flawed though they may be. Again, it feels very resonant and very truthful. They're about my age. It's an interesting read. So that is Nathan Hill's Wellness. Wow. Well, I have seen that one all over everything, but I had no idea what it was about, Jen. And I will be interested. You'll have to circle back with me and let me know if I want to proceed or not once you have read it. Because, yes, we are celebrating our 20 years this summer, and my child is nine. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so I think all of that will either feel affirming or not, depending on which way things go. So you'll... You'll have to let me know whether I want to proceed. I will wait with caution, but that does sound really interesting. And I have seen amazing things about it. So I know people are loving it. Yeah, he's a great writer. And I felt the same way about the Knicks. I think he just has a really great touch with reality and with the things that we all worry about and think about. And I really like the way it results. So we'll see if he can match that earlier accomplishment. All right, well, we are going to move on to our main discussion. So we are each going to recommend just one romance book. I have quite the list and I had to narrow it down. So I might find a way to share the others somewhere else. But Ashley, what is the romance book you would like to recommend? So I had read a bunch that were would have been great recommendations, but I just listened to this one thanks to Libro FM and I loved it and wanted to share it. So I selected Kaysen Calendar's The Stars in Your Eyes. Jen, have you read this I, yet? Yes, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wanted to share it because I've talked about Calendar before. I think that they are one of my favorite authors, and I've read some middle grade and young adult by Calendar. This one is I mean, I think part of I, we we talk about this on the podcast sometimes, but it's just amazing when an author can do so many different things and do them all really well. And so this is very definitely adult. It is very definitely a romance, and yet a lot of the things that I just love about Calendar's other work is present in this as well. So that's why I wanted to share it. So this one is about two Hollywood actors, Maddie Cole and Logan Gray, and they are cast 
to be in a romance together. And so there are a lot of things that are novel about the film itself. It is a gay couple and that is starring. It is a romance. And so, you know, again, it's not that that hasn't happened at all, but certainly there are much, much more male-female romances coming out all the time. So that that part is they're excited about. And then also they're both people of color. And so there's a lot of discussion. Calendar, I just love the way that Calendar explores social issues. So there's a lot of discussion throughout the book about social issues, you know, colorism, racism, those kinds of things that are just an undercurrent for both Logan and Maddie because that is part of the world that they live in, even though that is not the main point of the story. And same with both of them. Logan is bisexual and Maddie is gay. And both of them talk about those identities and like the pressures that come with that and how that's handled or not handled or what messages they've received in Hollywood based on those things too. So like all of that is really interesting. But again, it's just kind of the subtext of a lot of the story. The main thing though, is that right before they start recording together, Logan, who is notoriously horrific in his behavior, he has an interview where he basically says that Maddie Cole is useless as an actor, that he is terrible at what he does, that he just happens to be attractive. And because of that, they've cast him carelessly in this role. Well, that is bad press for a romance between them. And so, you know, there's everybody wants the film to do well, but he gets on record saying this horrible thing. And so because of that, they're doing all these PR stunts to try to fix that so that the movie can still be successful. And one of the plans is that they are going to have to do a fake romance in real life in order to try to offset this bad PR. And I'm always here for fake dating. Mm -hmm. That is one of the tropes that really works for me. So when that started, I was like, oh, good. This is usually a good thing for me in romances. And so as they embark on their fake dating, they do get to know each other. And both of them discover a lot of things about the other person that really change the way that they see each other. But I think what I thought was really stood out to me why I wanted to recommend this one is that it is a romance. There's a lot of really amazing things that happen that are heartwarming, but calendar really does not shy away from the hard truth of people having trauma and people who have suffered and how that impacts their own romantic stories and how those stories might look different than they do in the movies or typically in books. And so I really appreciated that Logan Gray particularly, both of them are complex characters and they both have a lot that they have to work through. But Logan has been a child actor. He's been acting forever. He is very wrapped up in his dad who has always had control of his money. And that means that he's limited in the choices that he feels like he can make because he can't, he basically feels like he's squandered enough of his money to where then he's dependent on his dad. And so that has some really substantial consequences for him. And we see also how the way that the media portrays Logan both is inaccurate, but also 
feeds into his beliefs about himself, that then he continues to perpetuate some of these behaviors, some of which are because of the unbelievably horrific things that people say about him, thinking they know something about him and that they can comment on the choices he makes in his life because everything is so public. And Matty Cole is a very much an outsider. Matt is coming from Decatur, Georgia. So he's, you know, very has a very different background than a lot of the people in Hollywood. And so we get to see from his perspective, calendar does alternate between them. So you really get to see both of their thoughts as well as what they do. And from Matt's perspective, you know, he is really experiencing all the ins and outs of Hollywood for the first time. And so you're getting to see both the good things about it, but also what's really hard about that kind of life. And so I just, I wanted to recommend it because I think I loved the, I loved both of them as characters, and I loved the way that we see that real relationships are hard work and that people have to be willing to do the hard work, but also we have to have grace with each other because that's the only way that we can be our best selves. And so I felt like there was just a lot of that that was really richly done. I will say that for a romance, it is explicit in every sense in this there is a lot and calendar says this right in the beginning and the authors know but there are a lot of triggers because again logan particularly has gone through some severe trauma and matt has things as well and all of those are a big part of the story so i did want to mention that because this is a very good read i did not find it completely heartbreaking but it is not just like super light fluffy it really gets into a more you know real life i thought perspective of what relationships can look like when you are wanting to be together but have to work through some hard things in order to do that and so again that is case and calendars stars in your eyes and that's my rec yeah that was such a good description of everything that i loved about that book i listened to it as well it'd be interesting to read it in print but i thought the audiobook was excellent that's true i didn't say that it is like there's all this like mixed media and they really in the audiobook you actually hear the people typing on their keyboards and stuff like that, which was really cool. And it's a full cast narration. So if you're an audiobook lover, this is a good one to listen to because it is full cast. And in addition to having the voices for Logan and for Matt, you also get these like bloggers and people on YouTube and some of that stuff that's sprinkled throughout that I thought really showed the public eye component, but also adds another element of media into the story. Yeah, such a good one. I still need to get there are still books on my calendar list I need to read. So I just want to read all of their backlist. But yeah, I want to too. That's it. I haven't gotten to all of them. And at this point, I'm like, I want to read every book that they've written. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What about you, Jen? What's your recommendation? So I'm recommending a book that so when I was putting together my 2023, you know, we do the various best of lists on the podcast, because we try to mention as many books as possible. And this almost made it every time. So I was like, this is my chance to shout out this book. I am recommending Jacqueline Ferkins's The Predictable Heartbreaks of Imogen Finch. And this one came out in fall 2023. It is Ferkins's fourth book. So she writes both YA and adult romance. And I have loved every single one of her books. They are just completely captivating. Again, like you said, Ashley, for the calendar book, this one has such a beautiful sense of character and of... The romance is at the center, but they all have lives outside of that central romance. And this one centers on the title characters, Imogen Finch. And the premise is that Imogen's mom 
has a touch of the magical about her and is able to predict the future a little bit, like just, just a touch of that ability. And when Imogen is very small, her mom tells her that she will never be first at anything that she has seen it, even at love. And so Imogen has had her heart broken 17 times, 20, however many years later. And it starts with this accounting of her heartbreaks and she has never come in more than second in any game, any contest, any election, nothing. She's never won anything. So she has just accepted that this is her life. The one area where she felt like she was a winner was an unofficial winner because she had two amazing friends in high school. One is her friend, Franny, who still lives in their small town with Imogen. And the other is their friend, Elliot. And Elliot was her best friend, but he was also her first crush and really still is her crush, even though she has not seen him for 10 years. Their lives are very different or were very different because Elliot grew up as part of the wealthiest family in their small town, obscene amounts of wealth. And Imogen's family is quite, quite poor. And she's okay, but... They have a hard time making ends meet. They live in a very small home. And her mother, who, as she has gotten older, has become more and more eccentric, can no longer hold down a job. And she's put herself in some dangerous situations because she gets so swept up in seeing the future that she doesn't see her present. And so she's been in some dangerous situations. So Imogen lives at home and takes care of her mom and works a lot of very small jobs that give her time to be with her mom. They're in the midst of this small town that is a very caring community, and everybody knows the situation with Imogen's mom. And so people really help her. They provide a real support system for her and her mom. But, you know, ultimately she's the responsibility. Imogen does have siblings, but they do not live there. And so they aren't really helpful day to day. So Imogen has given up on Elliot really being part of her life. He has gone off and has started a YouTube channel called The Unlonesome Wanderer, which is wildly successful. He has millions of followers. He goes around the world and has adventures that he documents on YouTube. And he's given up like he doesn't really have a home. He doesn't really he doesn't pack a lot. He He's like a backpacker who goes around the world, has adventures and is famous, but he is not in contact with Imogen or Franny anymore. And then his dad dies and he comes back for the funeral, even though he has not seen his, he basically cut off contact with everyone in the town when he left because his, his childhood, though wealthy was miserable. His parents, it was not a good situation. So he comes home and Imogen is of course thrilled But things are weird at first, and then they get back to normal a little bit, and Elliot decides that he is going to help Imogen in the few days that he's home win something. So he sets up this plan that they're going to play games, and they're going to enter contests, and they're going to do things so that surely she can win one of these things. And, you know, of course, this is a friends to lovers 
romance. You know that from the beginning and you know the way it's going to work out. But what makes it unique is just this ability that Frickens has to create fully realized characters and a full acknowledgement that just because two people love each other does not mean that they automatically overcome everything that has happened between them. And I don't want to give anything away, but I'll just say the way the plot worked out was so beautifully done because Ferkins doesn't make either Imogen or Elliot who have evolved in quite different ways, different paths. She doesn't make either one of them change so that this relationship works out. Instead, each remains fully who they are. And yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful romance, a beautiful story. I loved the family and friends who surround Imogen and eventually Elliot when he comes back, because even though he's left, people still love him and still have kept up with him because it's the kind of town where people will do that. So yeah, it it was really, it was great, great book. So that is Jacqueline Ferkins's The Predictable Heartbreaks of Imogen Finch. That sounds great, Jen. I haven't read any of Ferkins' work yet, so... I'll have to add that to my list. Yeah, I started with her YA books, and I highly recommend those as well. But yeah, like you were saying of Calendar, I feel like Ferkins is one of those authors who can do more than one thing very, very well, which I appreciate. Nice. All right. Well, we would love to know if there are any great romances you would recommend. We'll be posting this on Instagram as always, and you can respond there. And to close things out, we are going to do our flashback segment. We are looking at two years ago, which was February 2022. Ashley, what do you want to remember? So I looked back at what we were doing on the podcast. And I have to say that it's fun to look at February's for the podcast for me because before we did the podcast, I did not read romance. (laughs) I really did not. And so it's kind of fun to think about how I read a lot of romances now and they really have enriched my reading life. And there's something that I count on, especially if I'm kind of in a slump or they like kind of balance out some of the other things I read. So it's fun to think back on that. So anyway, in February of 2022, we did our love is in the air, of course. And we also watched the hating game (laughs) and read that. And I can't remember how honest I was. I mean, I'm sure I didn't hold back entirely, but like I seriously did not like that book. And then I really did not like the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was funny to look back because I'm like, there's so many romances that I've absolutely loved. I'm so glad that I read them. But I still occasionally read ones that I have a visceral reaction to. And The Hating Game is one of those for me. So I'm sorry because I know that a lot of people adore that book. But it just was not. It it was not for me. It was not for me. (laughs) So it's funny to see that on there. And then we also talked about Helen Huang's The Heart Principle and on the other end of the spectrum, Helen Huang was one of the first romance read authors that I read. And again, she was a game changer for me. I mean, her and Talia Hibbert were two of the ones that I read early on in the first couple of years, really, you know, that when when we started the podcast, I think I just really had not explored that genre at all. And they were some of the first authors who I just adored. And I adored the heart principle, as I have everything I've read by Huang. So it was fun to look back at those things. And then we did also do the cozy mystery at that time. And that's another genre that I really had not read at all prior to the podcast. But it's fun to see how 
I mean, even for us where I feel like, you know, I mean, I certainly considered myself a reader before we started on a bridge, but it is just fun to look back and be like, oh, yeah, my reading habits have changed. And there are some genres that I haven't read before. And it's fun to think about that for things like what we read together and also reading challenges and stuff like that, that sometimes you try something out and you're like, oh, yeah, I love this. So, <laughs> What about you, Jen? What's your flashback for February 2022? So I looked back at my Google Photos and also at my little books read graphic from that month. And we had some snow. I said this last month. I was like, oh, this is a repeat. And we were pet sitting my in-laws dog, Jojo, Josephine. And so I have lots of pictures of her and Jax, my, our dog together, which is cute. And then I read Toni Morrison's Recitative. And that was a revelation for me. So that is Toni Morrison's only short story. I actually listened to it because of Libro FM and Zadie Smith does a fantastic introduction to that story. And I now teach that story and play Zadie Smith's part of the intro because she does such a good job highlighting exactly what makes it so masterful. So if you have not read that short story by Toni Morrison, I highly recommend it. So yeah, it was, I was kind of all over the place as usual, but it was a good month. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening as always. And let us know what romances you would recommend. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.